Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. (laughs) We're going to stick with that forever, huh? Forever. (laughs) Yeah, we can't say never. All right. So I have been doing a ton of Swift UI work since our last episode, since you kind of convinced me and I kind of convinced me and mostly you kind of convinced me to, you know, keep diving into Swift UI. And I've... I've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations and a lot of trial and error and a lot of other metaphors that contain the word trial. And I have finally reached the point where I have a framework in place that I'm actually motivated to work within, you know, because what I tried to do first was the hardest part, which is navigation split view and my my now playing screen animation kind of things like the the drag to dismiss on that like all sorts of stuff like that uh my my theme system being able to override dark mode and tint colors programmatically at runtime and have everything update all of that stuff that's what i was tackling for this for this handful of uh handful of weeks here because i wanted to see like can I get the hard stuff in place? Can I get things like my theme system up and running so that I can actually build other simpler things and have it match the rest of the app and so on? And so I have finally reached a point where I'm happy to say that I'm getting it. And I'm I'm no I'm far from mastering it and I haven't built that much yet and I have a ton like you know right now I'm, I'm doing all this in like a little prototype app so it's not part of my main app so it's just using sample data and everything else and so I have a ton of integration work to do once I want to move this into the main app and actually have it be functioning on real data and a real audio player and things like that there's so much underlying work to do to you know make all my data models observable make the audio engine observable all that stuff um, so that there's a lot to do there uh, but I, I I have a good working prototype of the interface and i'm happy with where it is on uh i on iphone and ipad and actually last night i even got it running not well but running natively on mac um because nice. this is one of the little things about swift ui that i that i I'm, i've been pleasantly discovering that so much about it is also available on Mac without code change. Now, there are, there are you know, some little annoying things. Like, you know, I try to place toolbar items, and it's like, oh, actually, you can't place toolbar items in the navigation leading configuration on Mac. Okay, I'm sure there's a reason. <laughs> I haven't gotten to it yet. But there's a few things like that that you just, you know, you got to kind of if-dev out for Mac. But um, there's, a, like, a lot of the underlying work to do things like, you know, you don't have to deal with UI color and then NS color on Mac. You just deal with the Swift UI color, and it's it does that for you. You know, it abstracts that away on the different platforms. You know, you don't have to deal with the whatever the dark mode API is on the Mac because it's not UI kit. You just deal with color scheme from Swift UI, and it deals with that. You know, so there's things like that that are actually you know nicer font management. Management, you know, all that stuff is actually nicer um, doing it through Swift UI than trying to have like shared code between UI kit and App Kit. Um, so there's all this stuff like that. And by the way, this is not an announcement of overcast on the Mac. I, I given how different <laughs> it, it looked when I, when I ran it on <laughs> for the first time last night, I'm not sure I'm going to even go that route. It's probably not going to be worth it. Um, but it was at least nice. To, I, I at least wanted, you know, any of my like new baseline framework that I'm writing. I wanted that to at least be easily cross platform and not unnecessarily call into UI kit for anything. So that's, that's why I did that. But I'm probably not going to make a full-blown Mac app. I'm probably going to use Catalyst at best. Um, so anyway, so that, uh, th- that that being said, my Swift UI journey is going fairly well. It's going to be very long 
<laughs> I can tell already sure. this is going to take a very long time. Um, but I am finally starting to stay motivated and enjoy it and want to come back to work on it. So that's where I am. That's and I think that's great to hear. And I think it's it's, it's unfortunate that it is difficult to get to that place. It is, you know, it is unfortunate that it isn't the kind of thing that there is this, you know, easy, obvious on-ramp that was straightforward and, you know, it's just, you know, sort of walking through a, you know, walking through a field of wildflowers with a gentle breeze. Like, it's just lovely. It's like, no, this is, this is difficult. So like, this is, you know, a, a fundamentally restructuring of the way that you both build things and think about things and, you know, are transitioning a, a set of skills that you developed over the last, you know, like 13 years in a different direction. So fair enough, it's difficult, but it's definitely encouraging. And it's, you know, I think when I was trying to push you in this direction, this is what I hoped would eventually be happening. That it's it's the kind of thing that knowing that it would be difficult, knowing that there is this very rough phase, but knowing that it is possible to come out the other side in a way that will at least be sort of workable, will, will not, you know, you, you, that it won't have just sort of broken your spirit and you just like rage quit iOS development and run away. Like, <laughs> right. It's, you know, it, 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 it is doable, obviously, because like, this is very similar to the journey that I went on. That the first time I was doing, you know, Swift UI stuff, I, it was very frustrating and was, you know, hard for me to wrap my head around and I spent a lot of time going down a lot, you know, like the amount of Swift UI work that I would do, build, discover that I was doing it entirely the wrong way or in a way that in the end wasn't, you know, what didn't quite work and I needed to kind of throw it out and start again. Like that was the reality. Like that was the, for me, that was the development of Watchsmith. Like that, that app was my first ever, you know, four way into proper, big, detailed Swift UI work. Like I had done some stuff on, uh, on, on, on the watch, but those are so, it's such a constrained environment. It was lovely to kind of get, get get my feet wet, but to actually you know try it was you know it was when I was building Watchsmith, and it was very much the sense of like wow, like it's it's hard and it's difficult because it requires a totally different new way of thinking, and there's a lot of and you know Swift UI is very it's like can be opinionated and can be frustrating. Can and be if it doesn't do. Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, you know me. That's the way I tend to talk about things. But it, it has the, it, it, when it works, it's great, and so it has enough of that. It has enough going for it that, it, at least for me, it's like yeah, it sort of nudges you along. And so it's it's great to hear that you sort of are coming out of this, if not, you know, sort of lo- lo- loving Swift UI, at least you know, feeling comfortable with using it, and that from now you have a sort of a, a path that you can continue to walk down, and that yeah, it'll take time and it'll work you know be a difficult thing but the reality is like if if overcast is going to exist in you know in the next 13 years then this is kind of in some way the path that apple is pushing us towards and you know it be, be you sort of in the future this the, the time you spend you know this summer and fall is going to you know pay off a lot of dividends into the future i suspect oh absolutely i mean the way i feel now and we talked about this before so i'll be quick but the way i feel now is that um, you know, not only is this, you know, the way forward if I'm going to keep doing this as a career and keep having my app be healthy and up to date um, and, and somewhat future compatible, but I, I, when I look at the modern UI kit advances and changes and deprecations and, you know, new classes and, and new ways of doing things, I am almost equally unfamiliar with modern UI kit stuff as I am with Swift UI. And if I'm going to pick one of these paths to invest a bunch of time and learning, I think Swift UI is the wiser one to pick right now. Like in, in this in this year, right now, you know, if I'm gonna invest a whole bunch of new time in learning something very new, I think I'd rather do Swift UI than try to figure out all of the changes in UI kit over the last few years. Yeah. I mean and that's 
and A, I think you're 100% right. I think, you know, UIKit is going to be supported for a long time into the future because it's very important to Apple. But I don't, it just doesn't seem to be the area that is going to be getting the most attention, is going to be getting, you know, all of the new features, like the number of new system level things that are Swift UI only. You know, obviously I'm, the main one that I'm thinking of is, you know, WidgetKit um, is, are, are those only going to grow? It is only going to be a thing that if, you know, that you're going to have to use Swift UI in some parts of your app, and then at some point it becomes like, well, then just you know, you use it in as many places as you can because otherwise you're having to sort of juggle two different systems and keep them in sync and, you know, be able to reuse your code between things. Like, it just makes it just makes sense at this point. Yeah, and I think also, um, you know, as as indies, we we don't have the luxury, usually, of being able to really get into the nitty-gritty on every single bit of our UI code and and really hand polish every screen and every like most most apps are more complex than than what an indie can do for that especially in this world where we have so many you know facets of our app that people expect to be there that are more work for us so things like widgets or a watch app or an iPad and Mac or you know things like that there's so many things that we that we are expected to have in our apps now um that we we kind of need the option that puts us no pun intended on rails like we we need the option yeah. that like that takes away some of the things we can do but makes it way 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 faster and easier for us to do it and maintain it over time and that i think swift ui is better at that than ui kit uh, you know for all of its faults and again i don't know it that well so far but for all of its faults and frustrations swift ui once you are into it and once you get over some of those hurdles I think is the faster option and the more time efficient option for indies, especially if you're working by yourself, then I think that's even more important. Yeah, absolutely. We are brought to you this week by SourceGraph. So you've hired a brilliant developer. That's great. Now you have to get them onboarded. If your company is growing, onboarding new developers is a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking. One of the biggest challenges for new hires to get up to speed with the project their new team is working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. So SourceGraph makes it easy to move fast, even in those big code bases. We know, as developers, knowledge is most useful when it's findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, how do you make knowledge accessible to those who need it? SourceGraph is a code intelligence platform. It gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Without SourceGraph, you have to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing documentation that might be out of date. This is cumbersome and time-consuming and error-prone. So with SourceGraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know it's just the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. SourceGraph was created to make developers' lives easier. Today, they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of five of the top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, Atlassian, and more. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use SourceGraph and to see what it can do for yours. Or to click the link in our show notes, let them know you heard about them from us. Our thanks to SourceGraph for the support of this show and RelayFM. So after our discussion, um, this is sort of from the last episode about talking about SwiftUI, and I think this is certainly, especially in the, in, the, in the discussions you've had on ATP recently about the difficulty you've been having with SwiftUI, I think it, it, so some feedback we got, and I think it was, it was best summarized by, uh, I think we, we, we were mentioning something by Ben Packard on Twitter, and he, he talked about how he had a concern that 
the sort of the difficulty of SwiftUI and the work that we're doing there and having to, in some ways, adapt our development process and adapt our design to SwiftUI rather than it kind of being the other way around, rather than it being that we have this design, we have exactly how we want it to be, and we just make it that way, that we sort of get everything exactly how we want to do it. And in very much in the sort of the in the imperative UI kit world, you can make something look and behave to, you know, to, to a large degree exactly how you want it to to be because you have hooks into everything and you have control over, you know, every pixel, everything you start over, once you start getting into the really deep, low level stuff in UIKit, you know, you can be doing stuff with layers and you can be doing stuff in viewed layout and all those kinds of things that you really have full control that you lose uh, going to something like SwiftUI. And his concern was that at a certain point, it's like, are we, are we just sort of accepting you know, sort of 90% of what we want because we want to get the advantages of SwiftUI. And then it ends up feeling something kind of like that it's a compromise. And that, you know, I think he certainly in Ben Packard's example, he was talking about that he started being an Apple developer because he cared about the the, the quality and the design and very much that ethos of, uh, you know, sort of really polishing things to Get, get them perfect and he worries that if we keep accepting this and it kind of that it would, whether there'll be the sort of the slow slide away from quality compared to, uh, to UI kit and I, I think that's a really interesting discussion for us to have here because I think that is just the reality is like whenever something I get feedback like this and I love getting feedback that makes me think and this was definitely that kind of a thing of is SwiftUI changing my designs? And if so, in what way? And am I comfortable and okay with those changes? Um, and as, as is very often the case, if you listen to Under the Radar for any amount of time, when I hear about something like this, I tend to try and think of, okay, well, how could I generalize this question? How could I make a mental model that I can help me to rationalize and think this through? And for me, what it came down to is the sense that whenever we're designing something, whenever we're building something, there are a lot of kind of competing axes that we can optimize for or focus on or put our effort and energy behind. And in this case, like when I think about design objectives, what are sort of the guiding principles we can have? I kind of imagined that you could have like a five, if you imagine sort of like a five axis spider graph. Um, and one of the, one of the axes is, you know, beauty and how sort of pretty attractive uh, is, is your design. Another axis might be the ease of use in terms of the usability and how straightforward and obvious it is uh, to your users. Uh, another axis might be uh, the ease of implementation. So how easy it is it for me to build and to maintain and to actually do the creation side. Uh, another axis might be the portability of this design. You know, how well would this work on different platforms, whether that's iPhone, iPad, Mac, or if that's cross-platform to Android or Windows or who knows what. And then the other sort of the fifth axis that I can kind of think about is, um, is this design good for things like accessibility and localization? And, you know, a design that works well in those, that is very easy to make accessible and is easy to localize potentially is a trade-off with some of the other axes. And... It's like the reality I find is certainly as you know, as an independent developer, or a small team is like there's a, I only have a certain amount of area that I can put onto that graph that, uh, you know, on each of those axes, I can choose how far I want to go. And you know, sort of the shape that, 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 that results is of a fixed area that I can't optimize for all of those things at once and you know sort of push them all out to the to the extreme. I only have so much energy. I only have so much time. It's the, the famous project management Pentagon. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, the, the reality of that is it's like, so I need to decide where am I going to trade off? And 
I think it's important for those choices to be, you know, to some degrees, conscious and intentional. But the reality is, is it's always you. you that's always going to be the choice. And I think that's you know, it's like for me recently, ease of use and easy ease of implementation um, are probably my two primary things that I'm focused on. Like I want it to be easy to use and easy for me to build and maintain. After that is probably beauty and accessibility um, are probably the next two. And then portability is my lowest. Like if I was going to kind of rank those out, I have sort of two sets of things that are roughly equal to to their peer and then sort of one at the bottom. And for for me, that works. Like for for me, that that, that kind of prioritization, that consideration seems to work pretty well. That... I, you know, and probably if I'm thinking of it, re- really, it's like, for me, the, the number one thing I tend to optimize for is ease of use. I want my apps to be easy and intuitive, uh, because if they aren't, I don't have the marketing resources to kind of make up with that in volume. I, I need it to, every user I get, I need to make the most of their their experience of trying the app and have it be something that they immediately understand how it's going to work. And you know, if it's for them, awesome. If it isn't, that's fine. But I don't want it to be that people are bouncing out of my app because they don't understand it or don't, don't know how it works. Um, so ease of use is number one. And then ease of implementation, sort of number two, in the sense of like, I need to be able to continue working on this, I need to be pragmatic about being able to work on it. And that's where, for me, SwiftUI has been huge in terms of simplifying the amount of time it takes to maintain things. Now that I'm you know, very proficient with SwiftUI, I can get a lot done quickly. And maybe it isn't as beautiful, maybe it isn't as polished or under, sort of everything is under my control as it would be if I was building all these things in UIKit. Um, but I can certainly say, like, at one point, I, I had you know, the main editing screen in WatchSmith, I had actually built in UIKit before I wrote it in SwiftUI. And, you know, they have very similar end results. And the SwiftUI version is, you know, is, is maybe 20% of the code of the UIKit version, just in terms of the amount of stuff that I was able to kind of get for free, or it's just kind of built in and natural in that environment. And it's like that 20% is huge for me in terms of ease of implementation. And, you know, in this case, visually, they were identical. And from a user experience, they were identical. But, you know, from an ease of implementation perspective, SwiftUI has been a huge boon for me there. So anyway, it's like, that's, that's the way that I find these trade-offs. And I certainly get that going down and choosing a tool like, you know, SwiftUI is, does, I think, lean itself to push us away from maybe some of the beauty or some of the kind of beauty in the sense of if we have a vision for something, being able to implement it exactly to that vision that we can get close to it or we have to kind of make compromises and changes and adaptations to fit the tools. But, um, you know, the ease of implementation trade-off for there, like for me, it works great and it's something that I feel very comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, this is a great way to look at it. This, you know, the spider chart slash project management pentagon <laughs> of these five yeah. things. I, I love this. I'll, I'll make it the uh, the art for this for this episode so people can look at it as they're listening. But what I what I like about this is like you know what makes a good app or a great app is not just beauty or is not just a certain degree of UI polish. It's all of these things. Like a great app. With, I mean, portability, I, who cares about that? Like, that's, I, I feel like, you know, if, if you're optimizing for portability, you're probably using some kind of web thing like Electron, and that's, at that point, you know, you're out of our wheelhouse. Like, I, can, I, can, sure. I can't help you. Um, uh, but I think some of these things will, will still apply, you know, in the sense that, like, you know, when when you're making an app for for certain requirements, you know, you make different decisions. You know, Microsoft has to care a lot about things like localization. I don't. My app is not localized. You know, like there, there's different, you know, when, when you're working with, a large team, you might have to have different priorities versus when you're when you're an indie or something in the middle. And so, 
you know, and and certain certain um, markets for certain apps will value things these things differently. So you know, certain markets, for instance, don't really care that much about beauty and care much more about things like how cheap can I get this, you know, or how how easy is this for me or my staff or whatever to use. Um, and so there's all sorts of different trade offs here. And I, what what I like about Swift UI so far is that you know when I look at when I look at my app, it is tons and tons of ui code and much of the reason why there's so much ui code is that the stock behavior of ui kit either wasn't satisfactory to me or i wanted to polish it up and make it look custom and nice in some way and so i have so much ui code in my app that is that is mostly there for customization of appearance or behavior and swift ui the walls are much much more frequent that you hit and they're much taller walls that you can't overcome however a certain degree of customization is way easier way faster way less code and way more maintainable with swift ui than it is with ui kit and so as i'm as i'm building in swift ui so far and again i'm still i'm still in the very early days and i'm 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 sure i'm going to go up and down this roller coaster uh, numerous times over the (laughs) over the next you know year it's going to take me to do this um but but one thing that Swift UI I think is is very good at is is getting you a decent amount of beauty and customization and polish without a ton of code necessarily. And there are certain things you just can't do. And that's the that's the walls I'm talking about. Like there are certain certain types of customizations or behaviors or looks that Swift UI will basically not let you do. And if you want to overcome those, that's when you have to start like diving into UI kit or rewriting certain views or controllers in UI kit. And, and that's, that's the kind of thing I'm trying to avoid doing. What I would like to see instead is what can I do with Swift UI? You know, like on ETP, I talked about the example of like in the early days of web design, when web browsers, there are certain elements, especially like around forms, there were certain elements that you couldn't easily custom style. And so what web designers did at that time was you just dealt with it and you just did the best job you could with the things that you could style and the things you couldn't style, you just left them as system behavior. That's what I want to do with Swift UI. And I think that's the path forward for great Swift UI apps. Beauty doesn't have to mean super custom everything beauty can mean you do a really great job with what you have and you leave other things to system default behavior and in fact that's actually the expected pattern in many cases like on the mac for instance you don't see a lot of mac apps with custom fonts being used there's a reason for that custom fonts look weird on the mac that's not that's not considered the norm you don't see like you know everything being like you know like an app kit style interface but with you know a different font whereas on ios you see that all the time um, although it's becoming less and less common, I think that's probably a good thing. Um, but so, you know, even what qualifies as beauty changes by different platforms and it changes with the times and with different needs and everything. But I think Swift UI is very much able to achieve great, beautiful, polished apps. There are just certain areas that it won't let us touch. And I think that's okay for what it gives us in the other areas of all these trade-offs. You know, it it is so much easier for us to implement it does generally um, it does localize well and it does generally provide better accessibility accommodations especially with things like large text settings and bold text and contrast settings and everything you know maintaining a really really great ui kit design when you have a very large font is difficult and it's one thing that i've been terrible at with overcast you know i have basic support for larger fonts but i don't have it's not as good as it could be by by far um and 
as I'm writing things in more modern APIs, especially with SwiftUI, that just becomes so much easier. And to do that, again, going back to the project management Pentagon, to do that, you do lose some of the potential beauty you can create. Like if, if you know the text is only ever going to be one size and you know that you know the caption on this line is always going to only fit on one line, you know, you can you can do certain other things in the design that if things have to be reflowable or expandable, that you know you have to you have to make different decisions. And that's fine. That's generally better. That'll make a better app. A, a better app is one that doesn't break in more circumstances, right? And so, you know, if if your app breaks when you have a very large font, that's not a good design. Uh, even if it looks pretty when it's smaller. So anyway, all that is to say, I think Swift UI is definitely, you know, a different set of trade-offs on on this Pentagon for sure. However, uh, I think it's it's better for modern development and probably for indie development because it lets us get more done with less time and less code. And therefore, we are able to do more things our customers expect in other areas like features, functionality, breadth of platforms and platform feature support. You know, that way, like, you know, when when next time Apple adds something like a new system theme or a new color scheme or dark mode or whatever, like next time they do something like that, it doesn't have to make us stop adding all features to our app for an entire year as we get used to it. You know, we're more nimble and we can do things faster and everything like that. And, you know, then when they do things that are more on the feature side, like widgets or, you know, Siri intent support and stuff like that, we have more time to work on that stuff. So I think all of that, all of those factor in and it makes it, it makes it very clear that indie developers generally don't have the luxury of super polishing custom UIs, um, especially with the lower level APIs like UIKit or AppKit. Like we don't have that luxury most of the time. And so doing something where if SwiftUI can get us there, it can, you know, can get us 90% there in 10% of the time and code, that's generally the option we should take. And that doesn't need to result in sloppy apps. That just results in different design decisions. Yeah. And I think that that that, that what you just said, that, that that final thought of the it's just different, it isn't necessarily worse, is I think the – maybe it's just me rationalizing my behavior, but it, it feels very much like that's just the, the end result, is that you end up with something that is different but not necessarily worse. And in many ways, it's better in other categories or in better in different ways than like – I def- like I've gone through this big redesign of uh, – Widget Smith that's going to be coming out in the you know this fall iOS 16 update. I've been working on a big redesign to my my editor there, and a lot of this is coming from a place where I realized that the old design that I did, which for the Widget Smith editor and the Watchsmith editor, was this kind of you know you had these cards that you would tap on and they would kind of pull up and down, but it was very much this slightly skeuomorphic, like they're almost like index cards with headers on them and. It was a design that at the time I thought it was like it looked cool and I thought it was you know sort of very much high, emphasizing the kind of like the beautiful side. But I found that in practice it was limiting my ability for things like accessibility and localization because it just didn't scale at all if you wanted to do the very large dynamic type sizes because all the cards just like collapsed on themselves and it didn't work. And so I've, re- I've been redesigning it and I've been redesigning it, for, you know, very much optimizing for accessibility, localization and ease of use. Like those axes are where I am super pushing out on. And the new editor is not as beautiful, I don't think. I think it's it's it looks nice. It's attractive, but it's it's very much more just like it's very plain and gets the job done. And I feel good about that. I feel good about that because it is different and it's worse insofar as it isn't necessarily as beautiful, but it is better in something else. And I think sometimes just feeling 
maybe it, it's it, one of the skills I think I've picked up as I've been a developer for longer is get being being okay with that sense that seeing things as different but not necessarily worse that it's a different set of trade-offs and understanding that you always are everything is a trade-off like you can't have you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't have both things because that's just not that's just not the you know the reality of life is that you you're going to always be sort of having to weigh and balance all of these things and it can be the tension between how i spend my time it can be the tension between how i long it spends to build things how reliable it is how many bugs there are how flexible it is into the future into the past like there's so many things that you're always trying to balance and ultimately it's like none of those are none of those is right and none of those is wrong they're just different and they have different trade-offs that you're balancing with and it's like i found i feel pretty good about where i'm lying on that spectrum now that i feel good about putting my emphasis into ease of use and implementation and that's where I'm, you know, that that's that that's where I'm spending my area on that graph, and I feel good about that. And that's different. And I think, but the reality is, is like I have found that the last, you know, the last sort of maybe year, year and a half that I've been, that's been my my primary focus, and I've been worrying less about the kind of just like conventionally attractive part of my app development. Maybe it's been freeing. It's been nice. It's been something that, in the end, result is something that is, you know, it's sort of somewhat attractive but that's not my, that's not my focus and that's okay and i think that's a good lesson that i've learned for myself and i hope that other people can sort of benefit from just hearing me discuss going on this journey that it's like just understand that you only you are a finite person with a finite sense you know a finite amount of time and ability it's like spend that in place that you can get the biggest outcome from rather than worrying about sort of living up to some abstract standard that you are sort of putting on yourself or feel like other people are putting on your you know, your, your development and your products. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.